We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Portland, if you've ever wondered... Your blazers, ducks, and bees. It's right here on the airwaves of 1080. 1080 the fan with Danny and Dusty. It's Danny and Dusty and Rust from noon till three. All right, welcome in, Danny and Dusty. I just feel like uh, that needs to happen when I hear that. Open and I appreciate that open. And we're back, Jeff Rust. Sing it. It's 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 a tremendous it's a tremendous cut. Oh yeah, sure. God, it is. Thanks, man. Patrick hadn't heard it before until you ran it last week, and I he was standing outside the studio here, and I go, no, go listen to that now. Go listen to it now. And he came back and he walked (laughs) by the glass, just slack jawed. Oh my god. That was really, really good. Really good. Well, it's something. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's the lady. Um, okay, let's get to this. The Pac-12, what a weekend this Pac-12 was had. What? What a weekend the Pac-12 had this weekend. Um, if you were to ask me best case scenario for the Pac-12, I would have gone, that. all right, well, BYU comes to Oregon and gets thumped. USC throttles Fresno State like they did, covering machine, uh, 45-17. Mm-hmm. Washington gets a home win over 11th-ranked Michigan State. And I would have said, to add the little sugar on top, I would have said Cal winning on the road at Notre Dame. I thought that would have been it. Hey, here's the thing. Cal had a 17-14 lead in that game. Is that good? And lost 24-17. to but they put up a hell of an effort. So it wasn't the per- the most perfect weekend the Pac-12 could have had. But here's where I-, I looked at the Pac-12 and I said, they avoided major embarrassment. And where there was major embarrassment, the Pac-12 acted swiftly. Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan in what was the worst loss of the weekend for the Pac-12. Uh-huh. And yes, I am counting the 49-7 beatdown Minnesota had at Colorado. Or Minnesota gave Colorado. Yeah, we just don't. We were, and then their uh, president put out a statement. Yeah, which, the, the world needs ditch diggers too, Danny, mm-hmm. and that is what Colorado is at the conference. You had Arizona avoid the miserable, which would be a loss to North Dakota State, but as Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan, they fired Herm Edwards and just ripped the Band-Aid off. And that might actually be a win for the conference. Other than that, 
you had everybody else take care of their business, and you head into what will be the bulk of conference play for most of the schools with five teams that are undefeated, okay? Mm-hmm. And your major brands are playing as good as you could ask right now. Oregon is the ranked 15th in the country, and they just had a top 15 win at home. Washington is finding themselves back in the rankings and in the top 25 again. And they beat Michigan State like a drum. USC is ranked in the top 10 in hammering opponents like they should. Mm -hmm. And then Utah, your defending Pac-12 champs, they've gotten up off the mat with two straight wins after a tough loss at Florida, and they handled San San Diego State, which they should. But they beat them 35-7, to and there was never a doubt as they were up 35-0 in that game, you give up a late score – they impose their will. Oh, by the way, you have another team that I don't care if UCLA lost one a tight one or they blew a team out. They beat South Alabama 32 to 31 and needed heroics at the end, but nobody was there to see it. So it doesn't really matter. And Troy Aikman is now calling out the fan base, which I, I as you know, the, 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 the school from the other side of the city, I'm, I'm happy to see it. Uh, the other side of this though is, you have two other teams in Washington State and Oregon State, the other undefeateds, that should be ranked. Yeah. Washington State, we talked about it earlier in the show, is the only Power 5 team in NCAA football history since the polls have existed that has a that is undefeated with a true top 20 road win that is not ranked. Yeah. And Oregon State has taken every challenge in front of them and handled it masterfully. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, that's it. I, and I went back and I looked. All right, so you get two top 15 wins – in the same weekend, mm-hmm. nobody stubs their toe that is of note or relevance at the top of your of your uh, at the top of your standings. It's the pack eleven or for all expects, intended purposes or expectations, right? Mm-hmm. This is the best weekend since, and there. I, I went back and I looked, and there was a lot. There were a lot of weeks that I think it was what week two of the twenty fourteen season. I think every team except for Stanford won, and the only reason why Stanford lost is because they were playing USC. There was that weekend, but I think I found, I think I found the the week that this is the best weekend since, and this is actually a really good sign for things to come in the conference if they can replicate it. And it is week three of the 2013 season, okay, where number 16 UCLA went on the road and they beat number 23 Nebraska mm-hmm. in Lincoln mm-hmm. okay a sign of things to come you had Oregon beat Tennessee at home you had Washington go on the road as the 19th ranked team and Oregon was ranked second at that time mm-hmm. number 19 Washington went on the road and had to uh, play at Soldier Field and they beat Illinois at a, quote, neutral site game uh-huh. in Soldier Field. What, what state is that in? Uh, Chicago. Uh. And then you had Arizona State beat number 20 Wisconsin 32-30 to that week. The only blemish that the Pac-12 had that week was Ohio State was ranked fourth and they pumped Cal which I mean, in, in, in uh, Berkeley. But other than that, like, multiple non-conference – uh, wins ranked against ranked wins. teams, mm-hmm. and then traditional powers like Tennessee and Oregon, right? You had that traditional power game where Oregon took care of their business. Everybody else got wins. If you remember the 2013 season, and, and really this is the best weekend since the 2013 season for the Pac-12, 
That was the year that you had six teams end up being ranked in the final top 25 mm-hmm. poll for the Pac-12. And realistically, like I said, you should have five right now. And there's going to be some attrition, clearly, uh, as conference play goes on. But if I told you that there was four teams at the end of the season that were ranked in the top 25, would you be surprised? No. 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 I, I, would, not, I would not be surprised. You're going to have your, your traditional one bit. Pac-12 powers in USC, Oregon, Washington. Mm-hmm. Washington restoring order, USC restoring order, Oregon taking care of business. And then one of Oregon State or Washington State. I, I think it's a, it's a very likely opportunity for one of those teams to end up ranked and it's all said and done. Yeah. And uh, it's been a, it's all to say, that was nine years ago. I'm sorry. I, I, this is the best yeah. year in nine, best week in nine years. I left Utah off there. Yeah. You throw Utah in there. I mean, there's a, rea- there's a reality where five teams could end up ranked. And I, I think that if you're looking at it early in the year, and again, it is early and we'll learn a lot about some of these mm-hmm. teams. Uh, and it, football is a war of attrition. But historically speaking, the Pac-12 stubs their toes on weekend like they did, yes. like they just had. I think that what we have seen in the early returns on this year is, heck, we're at the quarter pole now. We're at the quarter pole of the college football season, right? Uh, we've gotten three games in, and looking at where the conference is, you can definitively say, as a whole, it is a better coached conference. Mm-hmm. As a whole, the teams at the top are getting better. And it's not just one or two teams and then everybody else clustered in the middle. You are now starting to see a little bit of separation. And it sucks for those teams that were thriving in the middle. But you need teams to separate themselves. And right now you're starting to see that. And with that becomes more respectability for the middle of the pack. Because what the Pac-12 has had is very competitive games, right? Mm -hmm. All throughout the year. And those upsets happen. You're like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? What they need some teams to say, plant their flag and say, nope, we're taking control of the conference and everybody else, you can back your way into the back of the top 25 every few years. You guys make a run, but you need some teams at the front and you need to be a little bit top heavy. And it, where that happens is you win non-conference yes. games and the conference has done that to this point. And this weekend was a great weekend for the conference. And even though it turned into a win, stop scheduling North Dakota State, you morons. Do not schedule North Dakota State. I don't care. Unless you're Alabama or Georgia, and even then, just because they have some, them and App State, both those both those schools have voodoo. Like, they, they just have something that they they are giant hey, killers. You know what? They didn't lose, though. The, the Wildcats didn't Yeesh. lose. That was a game last year they get pumped. North Dakota State probably comes in and kicks the crap out of Arizona last year. And gets paid a million dollars on the way out. A few years ago, I mean, even if you're going back to the Sumlin days, they lose that game. Jed Fish, found, those guys found a way to win that game. Uh, so I'm telling you, man, when we had Fish down at Media Day, there was just something there. Well, I know, but let's not overreact. They beat North Dakota State. Hey, they have 21 more scholarship players in North Dakota State. Guess they what? should guess what, though, beat Dusty? North Dakota State. Guess what happens if they get one more win? What? Daddy's bet cash is already. Oh, yeah. yeah. The over-under? <laughs> the over-under? Does it come this week when they go to Cal? Nope. It comes next week when they go to Colorado, when they have Colorado coming to Tucson. Guaranteed, baby. Two, How about that? Two and a half was such a great number. Two and a half. The, the transfer portal giveth to Arizona. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was a great, it was top to bottom. Well, top to almost near the bottom. We'll, it was we'll a count great 11, 11 teams. The Pac-11. It, it, yeah, 10-ish. Um, 
I'm not giving Arizona State that. All right. Um, but if you look at what this conference was able to do, you got the ranked wins, but then the teams that you wanted to and that will be competitive this season, they put up fights, man. And they put up fights in games that they should not have. Like Cal. Cal, right? Notre Dame is far more talented football team recruiting-wise than mm-hmm. Cal is. They're licking their wounds right now, and they were 0-2 heading into that game. Cal put up a fight on the road, and they lost 24-17. to Then you have your Washington State's uh, Utah and Oregon State who are dropping the hammer on teams. Beat them and beat them convincingly. No more of this losing to San Diego State and losing to Fresno State. The, the Pac-12 has a winning record against the Mountain West, and that should not be celebrated, but it's something that we would have celebrated last year when the Mountain West and BYU absolutely dominated the Pac-12. BYU is 5-0 and against the Pac-12 last year. San Diego State and Fresno State, I think they, what, Oregon's win over Fresno was the only win that the Pac-12 had against those three teams last year. Yikes. The, the, That's quite the pivot. The, the tables have turned, and that is good for the conference. And a sign of it's getting better. They're not there yet. The conference is getting better, though. It's interesting when we, we get into the football season and, and we talk about how things are getting better and how things look better and how it feels better. And it does it does tend to let you forget about possibly the end of the Pac-12 in less than two years. But uh, you mentioned this earlier, this, the Washington State stat, right? It tells you how far the Pac-12 has to go. They, they, have, they have to make up for basically the last five years. Say your Pac-12, your Washington State stat again. Uh, no Power Five team in uh, since the inception of AP coaches poll. A- that would have been like eight, it'd be 1939, I think, is when they're 37 or something he's when been, the AP poll started. It's been a long time. Uh, has been undefeated with a true top 20 road win and not been a top 25 team. <laughs> Beating Wisconsin on the road. Which huh. Camp Randall is notoriously one of the hardest places in the country to go into and win. Yep. You need to be a little bit top-heavy, and the, the Pac-12 is finally doing it. Hey, how about yesterday? Uh, the whole season off to a crazy start. Russell Wilson getting booed for the second straight week, but this time it was at home. Danny Dusty on the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app, 
baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words. It's not going well, the welcoming that Russell Wilson was anticipating and hoping for. I didn't know he was going to end wrong. He said, it's not going well. I was like, what's happening? No, Russell Wilson, no. in his day two debuts with the. Uh, Broncos on the road. He gets booed mm-hmm. in Seattle. Which, I mean... Where Seattle fans were catching heat for booing Russell Wilson. What, what does that mean he, for Broncos fans? Why They just got him and paid him a quarter of a billion dollars and they're booing. Yeah, well, he wasn't playing well, man. Uh, he actually lit up Seattle for 340 yards in week one, but the boo birds were out and in full force after the Broncos failed to score a touchdown through the first three quarters of at Mile High yesterday. And Russell Wilson was on the struggle bus. Boo Birds were out in full force. He ended the day 14 of 31, 219 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They won, mm-hmm. and he's all he said was, that's the only thing that matters because he did his Russell Wilson thing. Because he got paid. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this Broncos team comes together over the next handful of weeks. Remember when they wanted to upgrade at quarterback? Through two weeks, they have two passing touchdowns. Yikes. Two passing. And last week, uh, I believe it was 60% of his passes were completed to non-wide receiver targets downfield. Oh, that's interesting. 60%. Basically, he was checked down Charlie for let Russ cook and him coming in. Uh, He did not push it downfield at all. Mm. And the same was true with the Texans. Uh, the only time he pushed anything downfield was to Cortland Sutton. But this is this is my thing with Russell Wilson and really Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, right? They didn't play in the preseason. I think that just as we said with Cincinnati, I think it, there will be an acclimation period. It is different playing with your offensive line and having a different quarterback, especially a quarterback like Russell Wilson who – I mean, can we acknowledge that Russ has really bad pocket presence? He has great awareness, but horrible presence as to where to step and where to slide. There was one play where there was a pocket for him to slide forward and slide right, Mm -hmm. and he just didn't glitched. Like, he went backwards, forwards, back, then tried to go back forward again, and it was just like... What are you doing, man? And his his offensive line was like turning around, looking at him like, dog, we got something right here, man. <laughs> like just step up and, and throw a ball. And it's one of the things that makes him great. But also, and this is the kind of the frustrating part that I, at the end, I, I think Seahawk fans were acknowledging is that the buck is always passed, right? He mm-hmm. always tries to p- pass the buck on to like, it was it the offensive line. Is it the offensive coordinator? It couldn't be me because he does have great escapability, but man, Nathaniel Hackett's system that he ran with Aaron Rod with Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. in Green Bay, and they were so good at was get the ball out quick and use your passing game as an extension of your running game. That's not who Russell Wilson is. Like for, Seahawks fans cried forever. 
Well, they don't have a quick passing game. Well, of course, Russell Wilson doesn't have a tie. They don't have a quick passing game. Well, now he has one, and he's not executing it yet. And that's the system he's in. No. So one thing's one of two things got to happen. Hackett's got to adjust his system to mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, or Russell Wilson, who has always kind of wanted it to be on him a little bit more, has to actually take that that burden on. Somebody needs to adapt, though. Yeah. And it needs to change. No, you're you're not wrong. Let's go back to you talking about the, the pocket presence. When you when you're Russell Wilson, nobody has been sacked more than Russell Wilson since he came into the league, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to do with him holding on the ball too long, which he's been guilty of in the past. His pocket presence is is his presence is good. His mobility, or I shouldn't say that, his presence is good. His execution on his presence is not nearly matched uh, with his mobility. And then you throw in some of the. Article, uh, what was that, two weeks ago now? Yeah. Talking about some within the Seahawks organization p- perhaps believing that Russ was on the decline. Yep. Are we seeing that, or are we seeing, like you said, the kind of the glitch in the matrix, as opposed as, you know, it, the difference being, is he starting to break down? Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily break down, but starting to lose some of his shine? Or is this the uh, process of working through a new coach, new offensive line, new weapons, new team, no preseason? I think we probably got to make it to the quarter pole before we truly understand that. But I'm definitely I'm I'm not going full uh, the rock eyebrow raise, but it's 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 creeping up there. No, I, and again, I'm looking at them just like I am the Bengals, where you, you don't have a preseason. It's going to take a lot of time for these guys to adjust, and you, you're going to have a few weeks until we really figure out what this team kind of looks like offensively. But the fans, man, they're having none of it. Uh, in in Denver, as this one says, uh, as a Broncos fan, we're just fed up with the S offense the last six years. Sad thing is the Broncos offense has the highest yards per drive at 57.5 yards, but only three touchdowns to show for. You got to finish, man. You got to finish. Well, that's the other thing. This is an interesting experiment to to see play out, though, in in Denver. As a red zone team, I think they're the worst in the NFL right now. They are a disaster through two weeks. Uh, well, two fumbles on the goal line would say absolutely last week in in Seattle, especially. Yes, and then again uh, yesterday they were they weren't able to punch it in other until you know late in the game. You want to hear a stat bomb from the week in the NFL that I absolutely love though? I love stats. It has to do with uh, the Detroit Lions. Mm. Okay, uh, Jared Goff, who has is still alive, been like labeled as bad mm. and mediocre as a quarterback. He had a good game yesterday. He's had two great games. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about this? Um, the Lions have scored 35 or more points in their third straight game dating back to last season. Would you venture to guess the last time Detroit accomplished that? Uh, I'm going to go. So all I'm saying is three weeks. Was Rodney Pete throwing the rock? I, uh, I'm going to go Ninety-eight. Uh, no, that is incorrect. Or maybe Scott Mitchell. Uh, n- n- no, nope. no. I will sooner or later. I will hold on. I'm going to. There's a. I just need to find out how old Rodney Pete is. Uh, Rodney Pete was not alive yet. Oh, Ooh. my God! <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> Oh, we're the, going back that far. The last time the Detroit Lions scored 35 or more points in three straight games 
was between the 1952 and 1953 seasons. Good God. <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah, the last time that they did it. No, excuse me, that they got to four games of that 35 points. It was 52 to 53. Wait, so you had to look to make sure that Rodney Pete wasn't 70 years old? Uh, no, he's I just trying to find the frame of reference. It's <laughs> no, Rodney Pete well, Rodney, Pete, Rodney Pete's 56, yeah, so he older, was born yeah. in 1966. So we're close. I just had to, I had to do some quick, like a quick lookup just to see <laughs> how far back it was. Uh, do you want to know the the hook on this stat? Oh, give it to me. In 1952 and 1953, the Lions won NFL championships. Wow. Oh. Yeah, both of those Lions teams. One NFL championship. So here's what's on the line in week uh, two for the, or week three rather, for the Detroit Lions. They can put themselves on a path to the Super Bowl. If they score 35 points against the Vikings, it'll be four straight games. And history tells us if the Lions score 35 points in four straight games, even if it overlaps, because remember, back in 52-53, it went from the last week of the season into the first three. Even if it wraps around like this would, they're going to the Super Bowl. Okay, so when Horvat comes on on Wednesday, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see just truly how degenerate he is mm. and see if he's, if he's buying that, uh, that sweet, sweet, sweet Lions action. Yeah, as you should. As you should. Uh, by the way, the quarterback of that 1953 Detroit Lions team was none other than Bobby Lane. You're kidding me. Yeah, Bobby I th- Lane. I thought you were going to go like full-on like old-timey newspaper guy. It no. was uh, left-arm Larry, you know, just full-on. He uh, can't actually throw no. a vertical pass quite well, yet, but they're going to get there. I'll, well, I do have something along those lines. The mm. running back on that team? Mm was none other than Doak Walker. There you go. Which the he, college football award for best running back in the world is named after. Uh, their starting guard, actually this is synergy here, mm-hmm. Harley Sewell. They have a Sewell on their team. Oh, my goodness. It's not that Sewell, uh, but it's a Sewell. Um, this guy appears to be very white as I clicked uh, on his. Reaching. Reaching. I, I, listen, no. man, I, I was just going to say, if, it, if, if that lineage goes that far, man, that that genetic tree was crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm just looking. At, I'm looking for ways that the Lions are going to make the Super Bowl, and I think I found them. Um, they Dolk Walker, also the kicker on that team. Nice. My gosh, man was an athlete. I'm looking at their roster. It had maybe 40 guys on it. Hey, you know, you had to play two ways. Maybe. Yeah, Bob Smith did. Bob Smith played running back, defensive back, and was the punter. Do you know how good of a football player you have to be to wear the number 37? Gosh. Um, that's a terrible number. It is. That was Doak Walker's number. Yeah, that's a terrible number. Uh, absolutely awful. Uh, horrendous on every level. Gross. And All right. An absolute G. There you go. That's our That's our Detroit Lions stat bomb for you. Uh, so we're all pulling for that. I, if they score 35 against the Vikings this week. Brought to you by Dan Campbell and Knee Biters. And maybe yeah. the CEO of a vegetarian food company who likes to bite noses. Who is that now? I believe it was the COO. Oh, so, yeah. I'm sorry. Not CEO. Yeah. COO. Okay. Of what? Uh, COO of what? Of Beyond Meat. A vegetarian company. Bit somebody's nose off. Yeah, it happened. Well, bit him in the or nose. bit him on the yeah. nose. Bit him in didn't the... quite go fully Hannibal Lecter on yeah. him. But... It didn't go, uh, what is it, dirty work? 
Chris Farley's character in the yeah, movie Dirty Work. The missing nose. Got my nose bit off. Can't finish that one. Don't finish it. No. What'd you do? She was in Saigon, though. Yeah, she was in Saigon. All right, uh, let's talk about the <laughs> from the greatness that was the Detroit Lions yesterday, putting it to the Washington Commanders. Let's talk about those Seahawks. Oof. Hey, they won their Super Bowl. Now they know Pack the assignment. Pack it up. Pack it up. Here's Rust with Sports Center. <laughs> This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. We have the Cincinnati Bengals that are falling victims to the Super Bowl hangover. And it's no different for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, There is the whole team that loses the Super Bowl, falls on their face, which has actually been debunked over the last handful of years. But Cincinnati is 0-2. The Seahawks won their Super Bowl in week one. Boy, did they feel like they had the hangover <laughs> in week two. 27 to 7. And by golly, that seven was, was that seven was hard to come by. Yeah, it was really bad. Um I mean, where do you even start with that? Because that game seemed like it was over really quickly. I think you start with Gino because if you look at his, if you just look at his box score outside of the one interception, mm-hmm. it looks very, 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 very similar to Week One. Yeah, and that is the difference between the, like Denver coughing up the ball twice on the goal line and uh, stacking up penalties and everything that went wrong for Denver and how everything went so right for Seattle and then one by one. Yeah. The turnover God giveth and the turnover God taketh, and it took it away. And you, you're kind of realizing, even when uh, the 49ers were managing at the beginning of that game with, with Trey Lance, uh, they marched right down the field and got a field goal out, out of their opening drive. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense was kind of bending but don't break and just see if the offense can chunk up enough, chunk up enough yards to you know, get on the scoreboard. But when Geno's throwing picks... Like he did, um, and going you know down the middle of the field, you're trying to get the ball to lock it, but whoop whoop, not good. Yeah. Then you have instances though where you're in the red zone, you're on the eight yard line, and you call the DJ Dallas toss pass. What? Like I, out thinking the room? Very much so. That was that was the San Francisco Forty Nine or elaborate tanking. Elaborate tanking is something that you can you can call it. Uh, two trick plays going horrifically wrong. I love it when trick plays go wrong. And it's the tremendous only, content. Like the only touchdown being a blocked field goal. That offense is <laughs> we going to be that offense is going to be a problem this year for Seattle. We talked about it coming into this season. They don't. I mean, they have weapons in in Tyler and DK, but beyond that, quarterback play is suspect at best. They were not able to run the ball both because they were behind and because they couldn't run the ball. Hey, just know the assignment. The assignment the assignment the rest of the way. It sucks something fierce. Yeah. And Hey, Kenneth Walker made his debut. Oh yeah. There's your there's your, your glowing point to look at if you're a Seahawks fan. He got a couple carries. 
I don't. I'm not sure if we're gonna go with uh, that. Is I mean, he looked okay on that one run. That what did he, he pick up a first down on when he got yeah. hit in the backfield uh-huh. and then hit at the line of scrimmage and then still ended up still hitting the forward. first down. That was good. Yeah, good for you. That was really good. But the the problem was the two hits that happened before <laughs> before he made the line the of scrimmage. Run. Yeah. But look, this oh, is man. this is what the Seahawks are gonna be. I think the bigger story, obviously, out of that game is what San Francisco is looking at because, mm-hmm. boy, they looked like a a they looked a lot better right out of the gate than they did in Chicago. Helps not playing in a monsoon. Yes. But Trey Lance going down and that ankle, by the way, not a compound fracture. So it, it sounds that was the like one savings the grace. risk like, of infe- yes. infection in this thing going sideways is way lower. It's a ligament issue and uh, a, a fix of the break. A clean fracture in a, what, what do they call it? It was a burst ligament there was, there was some some descriptor I, they don't typically use for it but that it was, sounds about right yeah it was he's not going to be ready until next year but so. one thing that you do know about this team now though is that they should be a playoff team moving forward they with jimmy garoppolo yes. you are your expectation is you are a playoff team you're playing with a lot more confidence and what sucks in the whole scheme of things with the trey lance injury is that he never had a full deck of cards to play with in the first place because he didn't have George Kittle either. You know, Eliza Mitchell gets hurt in game one. George Kittle is dinged up and hasn't played in the first two games. And we don't know when we're going to see him. But that offense looks completely different when you have Kittle on the field. It will look completely different when you have Mitchell on the field. And for Trey Lance to go down in game two, that early in game two. In that way, on the heels of the Chicago game. man. It's just, yeah. I, I, again, I, I still, I always thought it was always coming, but I never expected it to go this way. Ah, well, it did. It sure did. All right, Seahawks, continue, continue the job. Um, this is if the you're a Seahawks fan, way over the yes. last twelve months. If you're a Seahawks fan, embrace this. If you're not competing for something, you should be tearing down. And in the teardown, yes, that sucks, but you find joy in the things outside of winning. Embrace moral victories of young players figuring stuff out. Listen, if you want to be irritated about something, be irritated about Geno Smith being your quarterback right now. Yeah. That's what you should be irritated about. Mm. And then not not to throw Geno under the bus, but if you're going to get weird, go fully weird and uh, get, uh, get old Drew out there. Let Drew cook. All right. Big questions here. Big questions here. We've got... Which Pac-12 team had the best weekend? Mm. Okay. Okay. And uh, remembering Herm Edwards. That's how we wrap up Danny and Dusty on this Monday on 1080 The Fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan. What team had the best week in the Pac-12 this week? Think about this for a second here. Uh, In my estimation, it is Washington. Washington coming out and taking care of Michigan State the way that they did, Mm -hmm. that was impressive, and that was a great statement that Washington is going to be a force to be reckoned with as long as Michael Penix Jr. stays healthy. 
you, I feel like you said Washington just so you, you're trying to get me to say Oregon because I was going to no. say Washington too because I think we kind of knew what Wash or excuse me what Oregon was supposed to be. Washington, nobody knew what the hell they were supposed to be, and I think that that, that question, even though they had the talent, you weren't really sure mm-hmm. what was what. Penix had put up video game numbers through two games against nobody. I really like Kalen DeBoer too. I think he's a great coach. Yep. And uh, he got in there and decided to really figure out what what was what and sort out a team that was broken last mm. year. And to have them execute the way that they did was truly mind-blowing. Yeah, this is incredible, though. Uh, a stat out of the Michigan State Spartans. So they ranked 11th in the country. Coming in, yes. Uh, this via... Scott Bell, who says that uh, Saturday night was Mel Tecker's 35th game as a college football head coach. Mm -hmm. He has lost 15 of those games, 12 of them by double digits, 6 by 30 or more points, 4 by 40 or more points. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Where was he at before? Colorado. Oh, They were pretty good at Colorado, though. They figured out the portal. Um it was brutal watching that Michigan State football team against UW. Uh, they, it it looked like was, a mismatch. Yeah, that score was not indicative of the game. No, 28-39 is not indicative of the game. My goodness, I was sitting there going, are they going to let them back in this? Are they going to allow them to get in this game? But no, uh, UW figured it out at the end. And there, look, UW is by no means a finished product at this point. But there's one thing that we do know. Michael Penix Jr., he can sling it. He can cook. He is second in the nation right now in passing yards. Jalen McMillan we knew was really good, but Jalen Polk had a heck of a game, and he he had a coming-out party, and he is explosive. They have explosive playmakers. They will scheme you up and get guys open with the best of them. Washington, I thought that was that was impressive because that was great for the conference too. I think Oregon had just as great of a weekend. I mean, when you're at home and you're answering a lot of questions against a good BYU team and the way that they were able to do it so convincingly um, when it wasn't until the fourth quarter until BYU started even showing signs of any sort of yes. life. That is good. You also, and we haven't talked about this much at all, boy, you, there, there wasn't a whole lot of Ty Thompson calls in that game because Bo Nix, one, played really well, and when Ty Thompson came in, granted, you have a comfortable lead. It didn't look crisp by any stretch, yeah, and Bo no. Nix had to come right back in. Yeah, they, they had to kind of button that up real quick just to make sure things stayed on the rails. I don't know if that's necessarily an indictment of Thompson or just the contrast between how the offense was feeling around Nix versus changing over to Thompson, his mm-hmm. pacing, his cadence, his way of going about things. But, yeah, no, I don't think you hang much of that on Thompson, but it definitely you, I think if you're one of those people who's constantly screaming for Ty Thompson to come out there, I think you're maybe getting a little bit of why. Yep. Unfair or not. Yep. And then I, I will put, I'll put Oregon State against an inferior opponent. Taking they, care of business. They it's threw, an important thing. They threw 68 points on the scoreboard. Which it's not easy. I mean, we hear about it all the time. Like, oh, they, they ran it up on whatever, so-and-so. Oregon State has not run it up on FCS opponents or anybody. anybody. This is not a team that typically scores at this rate. And for them to go out there and do that, and what was really, for me, what was really great about it was they did it. And if you look at the, the box score, 
uh, what was it, two, four, six, eight, nine, I think nine guys carried the ball. Yeah, it ain't bad. And they just, everybody went out there and worked. And then uh, I have uh, USC and uh, Utah kind of tied for doing what they do. Which is take care. You, you need to. You need your ranked teams to take care of business. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about fitness. We'll talk about uh, obviously USC, uh, Oregon State as the week goes, and uh, Oregon, and, Washington whoo! State. Those are those are going to be two very good games, very big games as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. I love it. It's going to be a fun week because when you look at Cougs and Ducks, always a good game between those two programs, especially in the Palouse. It's going to be weird. And USC is going yeah. up to Oregon State and Corvallis. Let's do where it. Where Vegas has just been. Hell for USC. I'm in for it. Um, and then Herm Edwards got fired, uh, seemingly on the field after they lost to Eastern Michigan, thirty to twenty-one. I guess it's better than you know driving back anywhere. Do you have a favorite Herm Edwards moment from his time coaching area? I, I saw you. Sh- I have three. You, you, you shared the uh, the, the I have jersey. Three of them. Is this a girl's jersey? That was pretty. Good. Yeah, because he was away from the game for a decade and he had no idea that. How that tight yeah, my, I have top three. Uh, Herm Edwards moments. That was number one. Was he thought it was a girl's jersey, like it was a novelty jersey. It was a game jersey that they gave him. Mm-hmm. He'd been away from football for that long. He didn't realize uniform technology had changed. It advanced ever so slightly. Um, number two was uh, when, in his introductory press conference, Herm Edwards uh, said, when the reporter introduced himself from Devil's Digest, he said, "I don't like the devil," and seemingly not knowing team he is now coaching his nickname the sun devils yeah and then number three was uh herm edwards trying to convince us all that uh their their model and management structure was going to replicate an nfl team not a college team yet when everybody's job was assigned it was a college football program that they just tried to say was nfl no weird he's like he's like we'll have a scouting department oh you, you mean like recruiting Oh, like that? He's like, the coach, head coach is going to be the CEO. Oh, you mean like in the NFL and in college where some NFL coaches call plays and some don't, but everybody kind of oversees everything? Oh, you, you mean like that? I thought the part where he, at media day, he tried to blame cell phones for his downfall was pretty good, too. Yeah, that was good. That was good. It happens. That was good. All right, uh, that'll do it for us today. Tomorrow, good we are back. Yeah, we have some left. We have a lot of leftovers because we've got Monday Night Doubleheader. Up next, so it's primetime with Isaac and Souk right here on The Fan. Bye. I mean, Shelton's clearing out defenders faster than a teenager clears his search history on his web browser. Holy smokes. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLV.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.